0: Whether it's Applewhite, Streeter, Dawson, or probably someone we're not even talking about, soon, I think real soon, this offensive coordinator search is going to be over, finally. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, and contributor to AllHurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen. We are available free wherever you get your podcasts and free on YouTube. And happy Super Bowl Sunday. That's why this episode is brought to you by our awesome partners at FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked on. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started, and it's not too late to do that today before the big game, unless, of course, you're watching this after the big game, in which case it's still not too late because there's a lot of NBA action to be had. So uh, I wanted to share the latest on the offensive coordinator search, why I do believe it's going to be over soon, because the feeling now is um, that... Mario Cristobal may be done conducting interviews. Uh, it sounds like he's conducted a ton of them. Some of these names have leaked. A lot of the names he's interviewed have, he's interviewed have not leaked. But I think um, we are done conducting interviews here. So I would imagine deliberation time, negotiation time, you know, perhaps seeing what certain candidates would like to be paid and who they would want to potentially bring in to coach with them or who they would want to work with for Miami's current staff. So, you know, the name that we brought up yesterday, who is now confirmed by multiple outlets that he has interviewed for the job, and that's Major Applewhite, South Alabama offensive coordinator, very well-traveled, has had some success in in other spots. Now, remember something on Major, because I know that Applewhite's name was going all over Kane's Twitter, Pro Football Scoop, uh, 24-7, everybody talking about Applewhite yesterday. Just because he interviewed, and I cannot emphasize this enough, And yes, he did interview. That does not necessarily mean he's the front runner or he's getting the job. Uh, But a little bit more on Applewhite's background, uh, because we talked uh, about Major yesterday, but we focused more on his time in Houston than some of the other stops he's had. Remember, Major Applewhite has worked for Nick Saban in two separate stints. He did not intersect with Mario Cristobal on either of those stints. But, you know, surely, uh, you know, a lot of the same people and Cristobal could obviously ask Nick Saban for a reference on Applewhite. So Major Applewhite was Saban's offensive coordinator in 2007 when Nick first got to Alabama. And that offense did improve from the year prior. Uh, Applewhite served more recently as an analyst under Nick for a couple of years before going to South Alabama to become their OC. And yesterday we talked about Applewhite's experience uh, at Texas and in Houston. Uh, he was the head coach in Houston before eventually getting fired from that job a few years ago. In Applewhite's final season at Houston, uh, his offense, and obviously an offensive minded head coach, was top five in scoring that year at 44 points per game. He worked with our old friend De'Ari King at Houston who then transferred to Miami. Uh, But again, just because Applewhite interviewed does not necessarily mean he's getting the job. Because as we've been saying all along, Mario Cristobal keeps his inner circle very tight. Uh, I've been told he is conducting interviews most likely off campus and he's only involving agents and a very tight inner circle on what's really going on. He's keeping this really close to the vest. Now, Uh, It has been confirmed, though, despite how close this is being kept to the vest, within the last two days, okay, former Clemson offensive coordinator Brandon Streeter and current Houston offensive coordinator Shannon Dawson have both interviewed, in addition to Applewhite, who reportedly interviewed yesterday, and I don't know feedback on how Applewhite's interview went, but I have heard that the Streeter and Dawson interviews both went really well, uh, now, out of those three names, out of Appleway, Dawson, and Streeter, if I had to choose between those three, and I'm not saying it's coming down to those three, but between those three, Shannon Dawson would be my pick. That would be the guy that would get me most excited. Dynamic up-and-comer. He kind of fits the same mold as Lance Gidry, right? Someone who's done a lot with not necessarily power five talent right someone who is over achieved and schemed with the talent they've worked with uh he has the reputation does shannon dawson as does lance gidry as you know being someone who works well with players and collaborates with others well so the guy that i like the most for what it's worth out of these names would be shannon dawson uh, i like the fact that dawson comes from an air raid background Uh, That would show that Cristobal's open-minded to other offensive approaches. But Dawson, he does align with Cristobal very well on the fact that he puts a strong emphasis on the line of scrimmage. And you, of course, cannot coordinate a Mario Cristobal offense unless you're putting a strong emphasis on the line of scrimmage because Cristobal is going to be recruiting five-star offensive linemen and hopefully landing multiple five-star offensive linemen every single freaking year the way that he just did with Okunlola and Maui Goa. Now, the other name out of those three... Uh, Brandon Streeter my fear with Brandon Streeter who is a former OC at Clemson is that so his resume and the success that he had with Clemson he was riding the coattails of so many other great staff members and of course Dabo Sweeney the head coach and all that five-star talent because like It's just, it's really tough for me to tell how much of Clemson's success, whether it be recruiting or on the field, can actually be credited to Streeter, and maybe that's not fair to him, but just the fact that, listen, he, you know, he worked on an all-star staff with, with a great head coach and surrounded by all that talent on offense. Like, how much of that credit do I give to Brandon Streeter, whereas with a guy like Shannon Dawson, it's much more easy to see the sort of impact that he's had at Houston. So... I guess that's more of a question mark with Brandon Streeter that, you know, just the the offensive approach, the play calling, not nearly as kind of exciting and innovative as what Shannon Dawson does. And also just I don't know how much of the credit at Clemson I can actually give to him. But uh, here's I I was having a a conversation with uh, with my friend uh, Bruce uh, on the canes. And here's an important detail that he reminded me of this morning why this offensive coordinator search it's really like a jigsaw puzzle because remember you're not only looking for an oc you're also looking for a wide receivers coach and a quarterback's coach because cristobal needs to figure out how all those pieces can fit together now uh your OC is probably going to fill one of those other roles in addition to OC. uh, I think most of us would prefer prefer the OC also being the quarterbacks coach and then finding a wide receivers coach. You know, last year the OC was the wide receivers coach. You had another quarterbacks coach. So once you have identified your OC, and Mario Cristobal may have already pretty much made that decision on who the OC is going to be, but then you also need to figure out who either your wide receivers coach or your quarterbacks coach – who's going to work with him and fit with him is going to be. So does your top OC candidate, does he have someone he wants to bring along with him to fill that role? If so, you need to make sure you want that person and you also need to vet and hire that person. Or if he doesn't have someone he's bringing with him, you need to find that person, right? Uh, You know, I I would love to see uh, someone like James Coley or T. Martin come on board as a wide receivers coach for the next offensive coordinator because those guys are both darn good proven recruiters. Uh, Another name I think to watch could be Leonard Hankerson, who's a Miami alum and he's the current 49ers wide receiver coach. His name seems to be brought up quite a bit with a possible wide receiver opening. So, you know, whoever the offensive coordinator is, you've got to find that other staff member that works with them, whether they're bringing that person from where they currently are, like, I don't think Jason Candle's coming here, but if Jason Candle did come here, he'd probably bring Kevin Beard, another former Miami uh, wide receiver and former Miami wide receivers coach who works with him at Toledo. He would probably bring a guy like that with him. So you have to figure out how all the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle fit together. Uh, Now, meanwhile, uh, I do want to bring this up again because I continue to hear that Mario Cristobal would like to bring Jason Taylor onto the field that, we could potentially see Jason Taylor get promoted from analyst to uh, an on field coaching role before the season begins. So keep your eyes out on that one. And uh, there, there have been some, some rumblings about maybe uh, another change with uh, with a defensive backs coach. You know, if, if Jamila dies, future might be in question at Miami uh, we'll see how that plays out. But obviously if there was another on field staff opening A guy like DeMarcus Van Dyke would be someone you would look forward to potentially fill that role. And we have been uh, throwing out the hashtag promote DVD for a long time because we would love to see DeMarcus Van Dyke on the field. I want to answer some of you guys' questions coming up next uh, because some of our our tweeters, and you can tweet us, at LockedOnCanes. And if you tweet us, we may read your question on the air. Or you can follow us at LockedOnCanes, and we will follow you back. Some of you seem to think Mario already has his guy, and it could be someone who's coaching in that big game that's happening later today. Uh, Some of you wonder, is anybody not a candidate for this job? So we will get into that stuff and a lot more when we come back here on Locked on Canes. And guys, remember, if you're watching this before Super Bowl 57 kicks off, it is not too late, guys, because they have everything you could possibly need and everything you need for your Super Bowl party on FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook, and they are now the official sportsbook partner here at Locked on Canes. And new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. You just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to – Reds to scores, if you're going to be betting some basketball games, point scores, how many threes are going to get drained. There's so many props. So, again, what I like for today – and the line has moved, and I like this. This is what I was waiting for because I like the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, and they are now just one-point favorites. They were 1.5 uh, minus 1.5 earlier in the week. Uh, since I'm betting the Eagles, one point even is a lot better for me. So I, I locked in Eagles minus one. I locked in uh, Chris Stapleton's national anthem to go under two minutes and three seconds, and I also locked in Travis Kelsey anytime touchdown score at minus one twenty five because I think he's going to get into the end zone at some point. And for fun, I put in a prop on uh, the the first team. To draw the first team to possess the football, like the, like the team that has the ball first will not score a touchdown that we will not see a touchdown scored on the first drive. I just kind of thought the odds are probably in my favor on that because it can either be, you know, a punt, turnover, field goal, a lot of other things can happen outside of scoring a touchdown. So I put put a few dollars on that. And guys, I'm telling you, you're gonna have so much fun at fan duel. They even let you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet. When you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA uh, and official sports betting partner of the NBA and the NFL. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and we're available free on YouTube. Uh, Get a question from Island Canes, who's uh, allowing himself to dream a little bit heading into the big game tonight. He says, what if what if sometime this afternoon there was an official announcement naming Brian Johnson as our new O.C.? Talk about bang for the buck. Put it this way. If it's not Brian Johnson, what an epic fail in terms of the ridiculous delay in naming an O.C. Hashtag no excuse uh, at Locked on Keynes, he wrote. Uh, OK, so you know, a, a lot of people have thrown out, you know, Brian Johnson, he's a former college O.C. Uh, he had some success uh, at Florida. Uh, he's the Philadelphia Eagles quarterbacks coach. And it seems like to me why I do not expect Brian Johnson to take this job or any college job. He's climbing up up the ladder in the NFL, so I think he's going to stay in the NFL. He's going to become a hot offensive coordinator candidate in the NFL, and the other thing is because I've got some good friends who, uh, believe it or not, I have some good friends who cover Florida. Uh, Somehow we coexist and get along, but I've been told uh, by those I know who cover the Florida Gators who covered... Brian Johnson when he was at Florida, and they they basically laugh at the idea that he would want to turn to college. like if he doesn't have to go back to college because he grew to hate recruiting, working under Dan Mullen. and like, I think he likes being in the NFL. But at the same time, I don't want to be a hypocrite because how many times have I said Mario Cristobal keeps this so close to the vest and the job could go to someone we're not even talking about. Maybe too many of you are talking about Brian Johnson. but, I can't completely rule anybody out. I don't expect it's going to it's going to be Johnson. I think I think the two reasons why this OC search is taking so long are number 1, I believe Jason Candles' indecisiveness has held up the search and number 2, Mario is being extra careful with the search because he knows he cannot afford to get it wrong this time that this hire is way, way too important. And then you also throw in what we talked about uh, before the break in that you also, in finding an OC, you also need to figure out how you're filling wide receivers coach and quarterbacks coach at the same time. So it's, it's kind of like a, like a high stakes game of Jenga. Like you've got to make sure that all those, is that, does that analogy apply? Cause I, I certainly don't want the thing to topple over like in Jenga. It's more like a jigsaw puzzle. I'll go with the original, I'll go with the original analogy there, but you know, listen, if if it does end up being Brian Johnson, I'm going to give Island Canes a huge shout out on our next episode if it does end up being him. Uh, OT the Cane asked me, Dono, who isn't a candidate at this time? <laughs> yeah, does doesn't it seem like anyone who has ever coached football on the offensive side at any level in the history of the game of football, probably only those who are still alive, like not deceased people, any, any name that's applicable has been brought up at some time in this search. Um, you know, as for who's not a candidate at this time, I'm really upset I've not been contacted. Uh, I've got a really good fantasy football record. Uh, I have won a lot of games in Madden with innovative play calling in my time. I have not received a phone call yet. So honestly, the only person I can confirm is not a candidate is me because I'm still waiting to be reached out to. And if they're done doing interviews, it's probably not going to happen at this point. Uh Vero Beach Finn fan said this in reaction to the major Applewhite reports that he was interviewing. Uh and Vero Beach fin fan, I think he's a he's a Gator fan. I know him through the Miami Dolphins. We chat on Twitter sometimes. He says, I'm not a Canes fan, but meh to Applewhite. If you want points in offense, Scott Frost is the guy. He says TVD would thrive in that offense, in my opinion. Um, now this kind of goes back to the previous question because. Uh, I was told by someone who's given me really good information in the past uh, week and a half, two weeks ago, to not expect Scott Frost to be the guy. So it sounds to me like Frost is not a candidate. I'm not a candidate. Scott Frost is not a candidate. Uh, I co-sign on what you said, though. I mean, Frost has been a very successful offensive coach in the past. If you kind of forget about whatever happened at Nebraska, he's been successful at just about all of his previous stops before that. So I would not mind it, but it does not sound like he's uh, he's being considered here or maybe he's not considering the job. But either way, I don't think he's a candidate. Uh, We get a question from Ray Chan, who asks us any updates here on Jaheim Singletary and Gary Bryant. So a couple of the most prominent transfer portal names. Uh, So both of these guys, Bryant wide receiver from USC Singletary uh, defensive back from Georgia singletary a former five-star recruit out of jacksonville they are both taking their time uh they have both come to the decision that they are not playing spring football anywhere they've missed the enrollment dates to play spring at any of the schools they might be considering so uh that that kind of reopened these races uh as far as gary bryant goes um especially once once Miami gets their new OC and wide receivers coach, I think they could be a lot more aggressive in pursuing him. He visited Miami, so Miami seems to be on Bryant's short list, and they can certainly show him kind of you know a lack of proven depth at wide receiver, like how badly he's needed down here. Uh, as far as Jaheem Singletary, we talked about him a lot on the show. Um, there, there's a, a stark contrast in the way his situation gets reported depending on which part of his recruitment you talk to. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, the folks who talk to those in Miami circles about how his recruitment has gone from their side of it have been telling insiders that, you know, Miami might even be out of it. or they're not optimistic about Jaheem Singletary Um the information that I've gotten in the not so well in the, actually I, I would say the recent past, because I did follow up about Singletary a few days ago. Uh, The information that I've been given on him comes from a source close to his side of his recruitment, where they paint the picture that Miami is very much in it. So um I was told though, on that note, he's not done taking visits. So, you know, I think it's pretty wide open with Jaheim Singletary. Some people think Miami's out of it. I do not believe Miami's completely out of it. uh, And I certainly don't believe Miami is out of it with uh, Gary Bryant. I think they're very much in play for him. But a lot of that is probably going to depend on how's Gary Bryant going to feel about the next offensive coordinator and the next wide receivers coach? Because there's just so much he doesn't know about the way that offense is going to look like at Miami next year. Uh, We get a question from Cosmo251. He asks... Any possibility of bringing in both James Coley and Marcus Arroyo to fill offensive voids? Uh, I I think it could very well be a combination of two names we've been hearing. Uh, James Coley, who I also, I I didn't mention his name earlier, but it's also, uh, he reportedly did interview for for this job or for something. Cause remember James Coley could be an option at wide receivers coach or offensive coordinator or both, or even quarterbacks coach because he's got a quarterbacking background. Uh, and that's why I think it's it's possible for two people like that to come in at the same time. Like if you were to hypothetically bring in Marcus Arroyo to be the offensive coordinator, it's possible you also bring in someone like James Coley to be a co-OC and wide receivers coach. Now I will say that uh, things things have been pretty quiet on the Marcus Arroyo front. I mean it it would it would make sense for Mario to talk to him because. They had success together at Oregon. Arroyo was uh, Cristobal's offensive coordinator for two years at Oregon, and they won two Pac-12 championships and a Rose Bowl together before Arroyo left for a head coaching job, and he's currently not employed, so you don't have a buyout to pay for him. Like It would make sense for him to be in the picture, but that name's been really quiet. Like Outside of speculation, like, hey, this guy worked with Mario before, and he's out of a job, so it makes sense. Outside of that, I haven't like heard a lot of buzz behind Marcus Arroyo's name. Uh, and, and then something I think you can also remember with all the people that Marta Cristobal is reportedly interviewing. Um, not only do you have essentially three jobs to fill like on field jobs to fill with coordinator, quarterback, coach, wide receiver, coach, but Cristobal's always looking for analysts as well. And maybe some of the people who have interviewed with him uh, may not ultimately get offered like an on the field or a coordinator job, but they could get offered one of these analyst jobs, that's something to think about as well. So that's so you're, I talked about having three jobs to fill. You kind of have four or more jobs to fill because Mario is always looking to fill out the staff with offensive and defensive analysts as well. We get a question from Michael Leeds uh, who asks us, Hey, are you concerned uh, that kids trying to get out of their national letters of intent is going to start a trend? And if so, how can the NCAA put a stop to it? Uh, I, I think, the the trend is starting no great question Michael because uh you know Jaden Rashada was a very high profile at Florida uh example of getting released from the national letter of intent like a month or less after signing it and now you know we're seeing uh Miami defensive back signee Antoine Jackson wanted to do the same thing wanted to get out of his national letter of intent um definitely it's heading in that direction because these these high school players uh they have so much more to think about when it comes to uh, name image and likeness considerations. Uh, it seems like the carousel of college coaches coming and going is getting more prevalent, not less prevalent, like the movement. And it's not just at Miami, the movement around the country of coaches coming and going gets more prevalent. So players who just signed a national letter of intent, and then their position coach or their primary recruiter leaves a few weeks after they're going to want to leave. And um, it's definitely going to get more prevalent, Michael, because You know, you think about the way some of these trends are going. It was, I think, four years ago when Tate Martell, remember him? When Tate Martell transferred from uh, Ohio State to Miami. And this was before the NCAA had the one-time transfer rule where they let you transfer one time without sitting out a year, no questions asked. This was before that. So this was the first time Tate Martell transferred. And it became a really big story because he he sought a waiver from uh, the NCAA to be allowed to play right away without sitting out a year. And that was before it was a rule that everybody could do that. And it was like a big story. Are they going to grant him the waiver? Why would they grant him the waiver? Does he have a legitimate reason? to? And they did grant him the waiver. And that, that set the precedent for uh, – I mean, I don't know if he was the only one, but that was part of setting the precedent for the one-time transfer exception. So I have to wonder – is the NCAA maybe going to make it more lenient on letting players out of a national letter of intent? Because as far as how the NCAA could fight this, the more time that goes by, the weaker the NCAA looks. Because when they try to challenge things in court, they usually don't win, if you've noticed that, right? So I... I think this is going to be a trend, and and most of us are going to hate it. Like most of us are going to hate it that after National Signing Day, because you think, oh, it's over. This guy signed with us; he's sticking around for like at least a year before he hits the portal. If it now becomes a trend that a guy signs a national letter of intent and then, like, a few weeks later, he's looking to leave, it's really going to be. It's you know, I, I I always want what's best for these players. Okay, don't get me wrong; I will always want what's best for these players. But you know, I know that for those who like. Our college football fans and cover college football, it's gonna be frustrating because I, I think that what happened with Jaden Rashada and you know what seems to be happening with Antoine Jackson, that's gonna become more common, less common down the road. So, everyone, thank you so much for making some time today on Super Bowl Sunday for locked on canes. Wanna throw a thank you and a shout out to Tony D who left us our newest five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Guys, if you can take, you know, a few seconds out of your day, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get your pods. I will thank you guys on the air for that. Tony D, uh, he says Locked on Canes is becoming his new favorite Canes pod. So, Tony, thank you so much for finding us. Thank you so much for the love. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.